WORD. Our monthly visit with John Kistler, animal advocate, thinker, writer. He's trying to come up with other adjectives, but there are so many I'm just going to stop right where that is. John, welcome back. Thanks. Glad to be back. John, since you started joining us on the air, I mean, it's just this fascinating segment of God's creation, animals, that I don't, we just don't think about often and we don't talk about often. And so, first of all, let me say how much fun it's been to get to know you and how much you've added to the show over the last few months just talking about this. Um, Last time you were here, we got into some heavy subjects, right? Yep. We're not going there again. That's right. (laughs) So so our subject last month was all about the difficulties in um, how we do agribusness in America, right? So The meat production industry, yes. Right. And the chicken production industry. And And raising of animals in for food. Right. And it was a very difficult conversation because we were all implicated in it. Sure. Right? It's heavy, and most of our meat comes from evil places. Right. And so we want to um, find a way to be God-honoring while at the same time be a functioning member of society, right? And it requires a lot of things. Um, so when we were talking about this month's segment, you said, hey, let's lighten things up a little bit, and um, let's talk about Balaam and his donkey. But really, the story is much more about the donkey, let's be honest. So you've asked me to start off by reading the story so we can we can get the context, especially for those who are listening and driving and all that sort of thing. A lot of people may not have heard this in Sunday school. It's one of those things that doesn't get preached on too often. Well, it's a good one. So here you go. This is from the book of Numbers. This is an Old Testament book, and uh, this is the 22nd chapter of Numbers, and this is the story. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his head, she turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat her to get her back on the road. So then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between two vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw, again, the angel of the Lord, she pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it, and so Balaam beat her again. Well, then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam, and he was angry and beat her with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, Well, you've made a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you right now. So the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. So the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. And if she had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now. But... I would have spared her. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. And so Balaam went with the princes of Balak. 
All right, John. So start us out and tell us about Balaam, and then we'll ask you about the donkey. Okay, well, first of all, I want to make sure that you don't think Balaam is just some kind of a joke. And uh, this is not the only time he appears in the Bible. This is his main story, but he's actually referred to in eight books of the Bible, including the donkey in a couple of those. So it's not like this is some kind of a myth that just got stuck in there by some priest. Mm -hmm. A lot of other authors talk about Balaam. And in 1967, that's the year I was born, they found a a stone inscription with his name, Balaam son of Beor, in Jordan. Really? Uh, Yeah, so we actually have extra biblical confirmation that he existed. Oh, how about that? Uh, Move a little closer to the microphone for us, John. Now, he was not a Jew. He was a pagan priest, but he had a relationship with God. Maybe he had a relationship with demons, too. We don't really know. But he was a pagan priest who knew God and talked to God. And in this case, it's interesting that the angel of the Lord is mentioned. Whenever the Bible talks in the Old Testament, especially about the angel of the Lord, we're usually talking about Jesus in his pre-incarnate form. So this is actually most likely Jesus with his sword and not just some random angel. Hmm. Okay. So here we have Jesus standing before Balaam and the donkey sees. Now there's only two places in the Bible where there are conversations between humans and animals. You can guess what the first one was. Uh, the serpent the in serpent Genesis. In yes. So there are only two places in the Bible. The serpent talks to Eve and Balaam's donkey talks to Balaam. Those are the only times in the Bible when animals talk to people. Now, we also have the cherubim, who are sort of animal angels, who are always praising God. But uh, that's a a bit of a different thing. So, at any rate, what we believe is, or most Christian scholars seem to believe, is that animals and humans had a common language in Eden. At least it makes a lot of sense. For one thing, it would explain why Eve was not startled by the serpent Mm. speaking to her. And it would also make sense from the point of view that if God wanted Adam to have dominion over the animals, that he would have some way to communicate with them. And so that language, perhaps, was lost. Mm. So it's possible we'll regain that language. But at any rate, the uh, animals we know now do not speak. You know, that is really good news because there are some things I really want to talk to my dog about. <laughs> uh, if he is actually part of of the glorified uh, new heavens. I met your dog, and I believe that if uh, any dogs will be part of the new heaven, he will be there. <laughs> hey, we need to we need to take a break. Uh, thanks, Mike. Uh, so Mike flagged us on the other side of the glass, and we do whatever Mike says. So uh, we're talking to John Kistler about Balaam and his donkey. Jace Locum's in the studio, and there's a heck of a lot of a funny story coming up next on the ride home. Try a full year's tuition without paying full price. At a- in the studio today talking all things animals with writer and animal advocate John Kistler along with Jay Slocum who's in the studio today filling in for John Hall. So talk to us, John. Uh, we set up the story of Balaam, okay, and pick us up. The reason we're talking about the story of Balaam is I want to show people what animals know. And instead of doing it from like the TV documentary style from psychological testing and scientific experiments, I want to do it from the Bible. What does the Bible say animals know? And Balaam's donkey is actually the best story in the Bible for explaining what at least some animals know. When we say animals, I'm not talking about probably bugs, maybe fish, lizards, and snakes. It seems that we're talking about domestic animals and wild animals in general and birds, mammals. Hmm. These are the animals that are more intelligent. And so the Bible shows us a couple of places what an animal mind is like. Now, one of the places is in the book of Daniel, and it's a strange story where King Nebuchadnezzar gets arrogant. And one of the angels says to him, here's what he says in chapter 4, he will live with the animals with earth's vegetation. His human mind will be changed. He will be given the mind of an animal. 
and then what happens is King Nebuchadnezzar is his mind is struck. He becomes a cow, basically. He goes out and lives and eats grass mm-hmm. for at least several months, maybe a few years. And then it says when he comes back, Nebuchadnezzar says, at that moment, my reason returned to me. So the implication is is that going from human mind to animal mind is losing a good bit of your reason, your powers of reasoning. Okay. It doesn't mean necessarily animals have no reason. I think they do have some, as we see from the donkey. But they don't have our kind of reasoning, like the abstract thinking. They're not sitting around writing Shakespearean poetry and uh, thinking of uh, astrodynamics. So they can't write poetry and hand it off to their offspring. Uh, I'm not sure. So so we can hand things off, which allows us to to increase our intelligence through through generations, whereas an animal seems not to be able to. Actually, they can learn and uh, adapt and teach each other certain things, but I wouldn't call it poetry. Sure. For instance, uh, there's a set of uh, Japanese macaques. They're monkeys, and they've been shown one monkey discovered how to wash potatoes before eating them to get the dirt off, and now she's taught all the other monkeys in their group to wash the potatoes before they eat them. And then she discovered that if you dip them in something, now they all do it. So they can transmit information, but it's, a, you know, a smaller scale. Hmm. All right. But at any rate, so this example of uh, Balaam's donkey is really interesting because what can you learn from what she said? Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, this was just an angel talking through the donkey. Or maybe it was God talking through the donkey. But that's not possible, and there's a couple reasons for thinking that. One is it says she. The pronoun is female. So this is a female donkey, and it says she said. So in a manner of speaking, it would kind of be lying if God was speaking through her to say she said. Mm -hmm. It also says he opened her mouth. The implication is is that, you know, she lacked the vocal cords to speak in the way that we would. Most animals do not have our kind of vocal cords and can't imitate sounds. But the implication is, is that she's sort of speaking her mind. God enabled her to use human speech. And another reason we know that is from the book of Second Peter. In Second Peter 2.16, Peter tells us that a dumb donkey spoke with a human voice to restrain the madness of the prophet. So he didn't say God spoke mm, through right, the donkey. Right, he right, said a dumb right. donkey. And yeah, by yeah. the way, dumb there means speechless, not stupid. Mm. Got mm-hmm. it. Kind of dumb. Got it. So I believe this really was the donkey speaking her mind. Yeah. You might think I'm crazy, but I don't know what other alternative it. you right. can have. What, what else is there? Right. And obviously God wanted us to learn something from it. Mm-hmm. One thing we can learn, obviously, the donkey and the angel say, why were you beating me? So this animal abuse, this hitting of the, the donkey was wrong. That's mm-hmm. one thing you can gain from okay. it. But what else can you gain from it? First of all, she says, I, me, and my. These are words that are used by persons. In order to be a person, that doesn't mean you're a human person, but a person is an individual, Mm -hmm. and you know you're different from someone else. She also says you when she's talking to Balaam. Mm -hmm. So she knows that she is different from Balaam. That's pretty amazing. A lot of people have said animals have no consciousness. Mm -hmm. Well, No self-awareness. Right. You've obviously got self-awareness if you can say I, me, and my. She also has memories. She remembers that she has been faithful to Balaam for many years. And she even can count to three at least. She says, why have you beaten me three times? So there's a little <laughs> bit of counting there, some mathematical skills. <laughs> that actually fits with scientific findings that crows can count to three. Oh, okay. So there was an interesting experiment proving that. And I know that animals have self-conscious because I have watched my cat growing up 
uh, slip on the tiled floor in the kitchen and then be completely embarrassed about what she just did. <laughs> and there's no denying that. That's a lot of self-awareness. <laughs> there is. And the other thing that I think is most important about what she says is how different her reaction is from a human reaction. Let's say that Balaam, instead of riding a donkey, was in a rickshaw and some human guy was carrying him along. You know, mm-hmm. sure. If the human guy stopped and Balaam beat him, what would the human guy say? He would say, I'm stopping because there's an angel up here about to kill us. Right, right. right. The donkey doesn't even refer to the angel or the sword. Maybe she doesn't even know what it is. It's hard to say. All she refers to, what's important to her, is the relationship with Balaam. Why are you beating me? I've Mm. been good to you all these years. Interesting. The reason I believe that's significant is because it, it, it goes along with what I've said about God creating domestic animals. He gave them... Domestic animals are meant to help us. And it makes sense that if God created certain animals to help people, then they would know that they're supposed to be helping people. And that's mm-hmm. what she says. Haven't I been serving you faithfully all these years? Mm-hmm. So they have a sense of justice or right and wrong. Now, I want to be careful not to, that you not take that to mean they have a biblical sense of justice. She doesn't know the Bible. She doesn't read this donkey. But what she knows, I think instinctively domestic animals know that they're supposed to be with people work with people. But they can learn. We can teach animals right and wrong. Let me give you an example. Do you have a dog? I don't have a dog. You don't have a dog. Okay. You have a dog, though. I have always had dogs and have been dogless for the last three years. Okay. Well, I can't use you guys then. Anyway, if you had a dog and you taught it not to get on the couch. Yes, I did that. (laughs) The dog believes that it is wrong to be on the couch. He definitely does. Not Mm -hmm. because God said it's wrong to be on the couch. God doesn't care if dog's on the couch possibly he only the dog knows what you think is right and yes. wrong so our domestic animals pick up our sense of what is right and mm-hmm. wrong mm-hmm. if you teach them not to get on the counter to steal food that's bad mm-hmm. the reason this is important is when you think of a drug lord has a pit bull he trains the pit bull to kill anyone gets near his drug stash the police come to get the drugs the dog attacks the police the dog believes that he's being loyal and doing what is right because he was trained that that's what's right even though it's evil technically so animals do learn uh, they gain a conscience of a sort it's a misinformed conscience based on our teachings Hmm. that's fascinating all right well it's a perfect time i'm glad you stopped there john because we need to take another break when we come back we'll hear the conclusion of the story of balaam and his donkey clearly the donkey showing a superior intellect and uh spiritual uh sensitivity at this point but there's much more to come so stay close it's the ride home 101.5 All Things Animals with John Kistler today. Jay Slocum Slocum in the studio uh, subbing for John Hall today. Okay, so John, you were were talking to us about what animals know. So keep on the same vein. I want to give you a couple more verses just as examples so you don't think I'm solely relying on Balaam's donkey, which is obviously an unusual story. But uh, Isaiah 1-3, an ox knows its owner and a donkey its master's manger. But Israel does not know, my people do not understand. This Hmm. infers pretty obviously that domestic animals know at least three bits of useful information. Okay, What do they know? They know who their owners are, they know where they get their food, and they know their service to the person. Hmm. So they know that they have a relationship and that they're supposed to cooperate. That's all implied from Isaiah 1 and from Balaam's story. Also, think of Jesus. Was it John chapter 10, I believe? Where Jesus talks about my sheep know my voice, he's talking about good shepherds and how the sheep know his voice, but they'll Mm. flee from the voice of a stranger. 
once right. again, a case of domestic animals knowing who their friends are, so to speak, mm. and that they should run away from strangers. So these sorts of things are found throughout the Bible, and my theory is that mammals and birds have the higher intelligence and that they are the ones, like this donkey, who know their relationships to people and who know uh, that they're supposed to be helping us and that we can help them. That this is why you see these things on YouTube all the time of dolphins with nets stuck to them and whales yes. coming up to yes. the boats to get freed. Yeah. Remember I posted one of those a few months ago yeah. on our page? Exactly. You see yeah. that all the time. How yeah. do they know? You get a lion or a tiger coming to town to get something removed from its paw. I mean, there's all of these cases that just make no sense unless you believe God created animals some animals with the understanding that humans are here to help. Okay, so let me just back up. For those of you that aren't on our Facebook page, and if you're not, then you should be crying out loud. The ride home with Johnny Kathy. But I posted a video that was so, uh, it was profound to me. It really was. It was a sea turtle that had been caught in a net. And the sea turtle, it was a video of the sea turtle swimming up to a canoe, some kind of boat. And he was, it was like he was asking the humans to help him get the thing off. But what was so lovely about it is, first of all, the man picked him up and did a very, you know, particular job of trying to get the nets out and make sure he was okay. But then right before he put him in the water, he looked at him in the face and kissed him and then put him back. It was the most lovely thing. It really was. But I, until you had brought that up, John, I'd never considered the fact that humans or that animals recognize that humans can help them. Why do you think we love pets so much? It's not just a random thing. It's not a chance thing. They were designed to love us and we were designed to love them. Now, it's true we've domesticated them more, and we've made them even more reliant and helpful to us. We've domesticated them to be nicer, um, less biting, smaller, or sometimes bigger. But anyway, we have changed them, and yet all along God has kept this relationship between us. So what I want people to understand is when you have a pet, it knows you better than you think it does. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not talking about it can't write an essay about you, but it knows who you are, what you're like, and that you're the friend. And that's another reason not to be beating or cruel to your animals mm -hmm. because they, f they sense that injustice. Uh, elephants and camels, for instance, are well known to hold grudges. They, they don't forget unless you let them have their revenge, so to speak. Uh, in my book, Animals on the Military, a camel, if you offend your camel, he could kill you. So what the people will do, camel riders will wear three extra coats, and they'll walk right by the camel on purpose, turn their back to it, and the camel will just rip those coats off of them and stomp on them and tear them to pieces, and then they're fine. They've settled their grudge with you. It's done. So then you can ride the camel again. This is, is that why my dog kept pooping in the house? <laughs> He's getting his revenge for something you did, some injustice. There were so many injustices. I didn't take him to work with me. <laughs> or perceived injustice. John Kessler's with us, writer and animal advocate. We're talking about Balaam's ass, the will of God, and the animal world. Oh, so when you've laid out these stories for us, John, what the the question that keeps coming back to me is, what does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about who he's like, what he's like, and and this crazy book, the Bible that he's given us? <laughs> I think one of the things it tells us is that God has created all life forms with a bit of eternity in their hearts. I know some people like to say only humans have eternity in their hearts. I don't believe that. I think that everything that has the Holy Spirit, which is life, will have eternal life. 
And so we will again be with our animals. That I believe they will be resurrected, and they will talk to us in the new heavens and new earth. So what it tells us about God is, is that it's life that's important. And mm-hmm. all of the creation will be redeemed. That's why it's, uh, it's been in bondage to futility, as it says in Romans 8. It's been groaning, and it's going to be freed when the sons of God are freed. Mm-hmm. John, I've been a pastor for 17 years and have a a particular uh, ministry to kids, and I can't ever remember uh, a year or maybe even a a season when a kid didn't come up to me and ask, Pastor Jay, um, will I see my dot, 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 dog, cat in heaven? Mm -hmm. Uh, In seminary, uh, the the right answer was uh, animals don't have souls. Um, That was not a good answer. (laughs) And no. why is that? Why why do, do I not want to answer that? Why do I want uh, the answer you just gave, that in mm-hmm. Revelation um, 21 we hear of a new heavens and a new earth coming, that he is making all things new. And, and something in my heart longs mm-hmm. for yep. the love that I have for mm-hmm. these relationships I've had all my life, uh, from Twinkie to Clyde to <laughs> Schaefer, uh, to have that remain or get it back mm-hmm. uh, well think of isaiah 11 the uh, a lot of people just say oh that's the millennium the lion will lay down with the lamb the wolf will be with the sheep the baby will put his hand in the viper's den and will not be bitten a lot of people say okay that's the thousand years well don't you think the new heavens and the new earth are going to be better than that mm, right. or you're going to have this nice time on earth with animals and then god's just going to annihilate them all because he couldn't care less that's right. just ridiculous right, right. Yeah, Lewis seemed to have gotten that, mm-hmm. didn't he? Definitely. As a writer. Definitely. C.S. Lewis had some unusual ideas. We may discuss those sometime. He <laughs> believed animals did go for eternity, but some of them might be in hell, mm. which is an unusual uh, angle on it. Mm-hmm. I have a cat. I had a cat. I think we'll be in hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's a story for another time. And Jace Locum, you're not the judge. Um, <laughs> um, all right. So uh, I, I think that there's something... Um, Mysterious, Jay, you mentioned that when you were in seminary, the correct answer was animals don't have souls, right? Well, there's no scripture passage that says animals don't have souls, right? And so by that, and I heard that teaching too, that to me is trying to to grab the mystery out of life yeah. and, and trying to put a label on it or yeah. trying to explain it. And I hate that. You can blame yeah. it on the Greeks. It was Aristotle and Plato who first came up with that and the early Christians just adopted it. Yeah, had nothing to do with Christianity. Yeah, the whole way uh, Aristotle's metaphysics—it's it's, there's different classes, and it goes from God, and then angels, and then humans, and then animals, and then plants, in, plants rocks. And insects, rocks, mm-hmm. dirt, and so mm-hmm. that's why we don't want to get our hands dirty. The great chain of being. That's yeah. right. All right. Well, this great chain of being marches on, but right now we have to take a commercial break. So we'll <laughs> be back in a bit. Right home. Christian artist Leland and Meredith. Fascinating hour with John Kistler talking about Balaam and his donkey. Um, Jay, I want to ask you about Schaefer. Uh, years ago, I don't know how many years ago it was, we went on a bike trip. It was yeah. like a sh- short thing. Your sure. family and my family. Yeah. But Schaefer came along, and I'm telling John Kistler this. Uh, Schaefer, uh, I've never seen a dog do this. Um, explain, Jay, how Schaefer rode behind you on your bike, please. Well, I had a baby trailer called a Burley trailer that I converted into a Schaefer trailer. And I would say, get in your cart, get in your cart, Schaefer, get in your cart. And he would get in his cart and we would ride from Squirrel Hill to Oakland where I have a church and, and he would come to work with me every, every day. And he was a star of, uh, of Craig street. Everybody would come out and, and give him dog biscuits and, 
And but he just loved to be. It was awesome. He just loved to be in service to me. He loved as, to be close to you uh, as a companion. And yep. did you take him to church? You know, I took him to church a couple times for for sermon uh, kind of examples. Uh, did he resent and, that? And he actually got kicked out of church <gasps> for going into the kitchen when the inspector was there, <laughs> and the vestry the voted him inspector. off campus, which. <laughs> Ended his time with me every day going, and he hated that. And I think that is what I what I alluded to, of getting back to me. Uh, yeah, uh, or getting back getting at back you. Getting back at me. Yeah. Right, exactly. You know, in medieval times, they used to take animals to church all the time. You usually, uh, if you had a pet, you'd take it to church. It was kind of normal. The Reformation really? got away from that. Oh, sounds wonderful. So people would just take their whatever, mm-hmm. their sheep or their bird? or Well, not usually big animals because they wouldn't fit in the aisles, but usually pets, dogs, cats, birds. Okay. See, I like that idea. I mean, I am convinced that there were, and maybe, I, I, I hope it's the Holy Spirit, but I also think I was, I was seriously influenced by reading Narnia when I was a kid. But when I, I had two majestic cats that we had for almost 20 years, and um, they, when I looked in their eyes, they knew. Now I'm not saying what they know, what they knew, but they knew. Oh yeah, there was something deep going on there. Jacques Derrida wrote a whole book of philosophy on animals based on his cat looking into his eyes once. He was naked though. He was embarrassed that the cat saw him naked, so he wrote a book about it. <laughs> what do philosophers have to do? They write books about their. Well, I'll be honest with you, my two cats couldn't have cared less. (laughs) That's John Kistler with us, writer and animal advocate. All the information about John and a link to his Facebook page will be on our Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Stay right where you are. Coming up at the next hour, we're talking a whole different thing, presidential politics and race with Wayne Younger. Stay close.